0: Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. The words to which I would like to draw your attention are, of course, the, prayer, the list of the fruit of the Spirit. As we continue our study in the fruit of the Spirit, we are at the fourth fruit, love, joy, peace. Peace. And tonight's study is on the word patience. And as our other studies have been, we will be systematically studying the Bible that is we'll be making excuse me making a system out of the Bible's teaching on the doctrine of patience. What does the Bible teach about the word patience, the doctrine of patience? the idea of long suffering so we will be going all through the bible to discover what does this mean and the first thing we need to understand is that it is a very important doctrine how do we know that it's important it's in the list the holy spirit only writes important things because he is not trivial is God. So we know it's important because it's in the list, but we also know it's important because it's repeated throughout the New Testament many times. It's one of the marks of a true pastor. We'll be turning to different passages and just referencing some, but go to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, just one book back, chapter 6, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4. verses 4 to 6 are the marks of a true and faithful minister. Do you have a pastor like this? A man who is a model in these areas? But in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in affliction, in necessities, in distresses, and stripes in imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings by pureness by purity by knowledge and here in verse 6 where it says long suffering in the king james it may say patience in your bible that's the same greek word by long suffering by kindness by the holy spirit by true love verse 7 by the word of truth by the power of god By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. By honor and dishonor. In evil report and in good report. As deceivers and yet true. As unknown and yet well known. As dying and behold we live. As disciplined but yet not killed. As sorrowful yet always rejoicing. As poor yet making many rich. As having nothing and yet possessing all things. Again, the prosperity gospel cannot even handle this. But we can. We look at this and say, we want a pastor like that, don't you? And two words in that list refer to patience, waiting over time through the difficult times. A godly pastor must be a man who is patient or long suffering. It's also one of the marks of a true believer. 2 Peter 1 verse 10. A godly man, a mature Christian, is a patient man. And now, it's also an important doctrine because the great truths of Scripture cannot be understood without patience. If you want to quickly understand the five solas or justification, or propitiation, if you want quickly to come to an end of what is conversion, let me get this done, let me settle this quickly, you will have a very hard time. Who can understand the infinite coming down inside a measurable body? That's going to take time to ponder. Who can understand the father crushing his son? Who can understand The Son praying for all His people. Who can understand the Holy Spirit living in us and the Son of God living in us. Both of them living in us. Who can understand that? Who can understand godly repentance? Who can understand weeping over their sins? Who can understand that there is a Father, a Son, and a Spirit and they are all one and yet they are three. Who can understand that when Jesus comes back, he will give you such a body that if you could see that body right now, you would be, as C.S. Lewis says, tempted to worship it. If you could see a resurrected, glorified body, we would say, I know who that is, but yet I don't know who that is. There's some marks where I can recognize it's Mr. Kamutimbe, But there's something so glorious, I have to cover my eyes. I would fall down on my knees if he didn't say, no, no, don't worship me. Who can understand these things without patience? Who can read the Bible without patience? Could you finish the book of Isaiah if you had no patience? Could you read the whole Old Testament without patience? Could you finish the Bible every year of your life without patience? That might be one of the best proofs that the majority of people who call themselves Christians are not Christian. They have no patience to finish even reading the Bible. One time. Whereas Luke 21 verse 19 says, In your patience preserve your souls Until the Lord comes back, patiently endure and persevere with great patience. Why is it important? Because it is all through the Bible. It is assumed in the fact that God gave us a book of over a thousand pages. Just under a million words. And you've got to read a million words every year. Twice a year. I heard this week, I was with some pastors at a conference, and one of the men said, One of these pastors reads his Bible four times in a year. But that's what we just read in 2 Corinthians 6. He's going to be a model in the Word of God. That's 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. So it is very important to be patient. But there's another reason why it's important to be patient. Because you don't want to live with anyone who's not patient. Do you? If you can make an application of the kind of person who's going to live with you, as you were talking about marriage earlier today, if you can make an application of the kind of person to live with you, what would you tick on the box? There's a list of 50 words, and you can tick 10 of those words. Beautiful, rich, funny, Powerful, strong, good cook, patient, kind, loving, wise, discerning, angry, drunk, wasting money, sleeping till noon. What would you tick on the boxes? Wouldn't you want to tick a patient person? Yes, when you're very young and you're not thinking, you say, oh, give me someone beautiful. Well, we all like beauty and that's important. But give us someone patient. That's who we want to live with. Don't you want to have a neighbor who's patient with you? The time your children's soccer ball goes over the fence. Or the 50th time. Don't you want someone who's patient with you? Yes, it is very important. How many divorces happen? Because one or both, did not have patience. The pain became unbearable, and they couldn't take it. How many people, how many children have given up on their parents and left, or even today as grown adults, they do not call or talk to their parents because they were tired of, I can't put up with that anymore. Patience is vitally important. How many mothers say, Two kids is enough, ha, ha, ha. That's all I can take. But what they mean is, I don't have any more patience. Patience is important because it performs valuable tasks in the heart of a believer. What are those tasks? Well, let's ask, first of all, what Is patience. After we ask what is patience. We're going to look at three enemies. Of patience. Then we're going to see four examples. Of patience. And we'll close with some concluding remarks. Definition of patience. Patience is. Enduring hardship. Without anger. Discouragement or personal gratification enduring hardship without getting angry without being discouraged or without personal gratification let's open that up word by word patience is enduring hardship right there is the sum of patience and if you had to have it in two words i would say it's enduring hardship There are two concepts in that definition. Number one, enduring. Number two, hardship. It's not merely an endurance because it's not patient for a husband to be happy on his honeymoon. A man just marries a new girl, his new wife. He's he's married and now he says for two weeks we're going to live by ourselves. I'm not going to work. We're just going to talk and laugh and we're just going to spend time together. It's the honeymoon. I've never been with you like a husband is with a wife. You've never been with a man like a wife is like a woman is with a husband. And now we're going to talk and laugh and spend 2 weeks without work or stress or worry. Would you get to the end of those 2 weeks? Those 336 hours and say at the end of 336 hours that man is very patient he went through two weeks of a honeymoon. No, you would say, that doesn't even count for patience. Why? Because without hardship, you have no patience, which means there's no patience where? In heaven. There's no faith in heaven. There's no patience in heaven. There's no hope in heaven. You've got to do it all right now because you can't do it there. There's a title of a book, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. Actually, there's a number of things you can't do in heaven. You can't sin. You can't sin. You can't repent. You can't weep. You can't get hurt. You can't be patient because in order to be patient, there must be something hard. There must be some difficulty. But when we are in heaven... All the difficulties will be joys. It will be strawberries to work. When we go to serve God, it will be taking more honey. This is glorious. This is what I want. Patience requires hardship. Like Jeremiah, who preached for 50 years and saw between two and six converts. A half a dozen converts for 50 years of preaching... That's patient. Who was more patient? Job, who endured months of pain and three difficult, unkind, unwise, unbiblical friends. He put up with it for a year. Jeremiah for 50. And Jeremiah was told, you can't get married. I can put up with a lot if she's with me good humor and all Jeremiah is told you're gonna have to work for 50 years no wife and on top of that they won't listen to you so no no people with you and on top of that they're going to mock you in public and after a while about 20 years into this they're gonna start beating you and putting you in prison they'll threaten to kill you not once or twice but repeatedly How would you like to know that at the beginning of the job interview? That's what happens in Jeremiah one. He's told upfront, it's gonna be a hard calling. Who is more patient? There had to be hardship in order for that patience to be seen. You must get through a trial or you have not been able even to test whether you have patience, which is why there's a joke. People say, I prayed for patience, and the Lord gave me pain. Because there is no patience without pain. But there is very little godliness without pain either. Which is why in the list of what it means to be a godly minister, how many of those words have to do with pain? There's distress and imprisonment and difficulty and hunger and poverty That's what Paul says a good pastor is. He's poor and hungry and stressed out and in pain. The first element of patience, as we work toward a definition, is enduring hardship, the idea of hardship. Without hardship, there cannot be patience. But secondly, without time, there cannot be patience. Because notice those two words. Patience is enduring hardship. If you boil it down just to the the core of patience, you come up with enduring hardship. Well, we've dealt with the hardship. What about the enduring? Enduring, what does that word mean? It means doing something over and over. It means time. It's not possible to be patient Without day following day and month following month and year following year. It's not possible. Patience is not something that a hard problem comes and then it's gone. And wow, how patient I am. Patience is a process. Justification is an event. But we are talking now not about justification. Do you remember the first sermon that we talked about? The very first sermon, we made a distinction between justification and, what's the other word? Sanctification. We are now talking in the fruit of the Spirit about processes. Fruit that grows slowly and are picked over time. We're talking about a process. Patience is a process. Justification is an event. Justification is when God says, you are right. You are right in my eyes. I see Christ when I look at you. That's justification. Sanctification is very slowly becoming like our Lord. And what did he do? How did he endure hardship? He had to take time after time and day after day. First point behind patience or the definition is the hardship. And the second point is the time patience is largely missing from the world today for two reasons there are two reasons why you won't see patience in the world today just drive a car for a few hundred kilometers and you'll experience someone with road rage I hope it's not you because that is the opposite of patience why is it that patience is uncommon in our world today? Number one, because we live in an instant world. We live in a world where there are drive-throughs. Can you imagine your great-grandfather seeing a drive-through at KFC? What is this? Oh, you have these cars so you can shoot from one place to the other. You can wake up in Johannesburg and eat lunch in Louis Tree at a KFC drive-through. And they say, but it's gonna take an hour and a half to get this meal ready. No, no, watch this. I drive, shoot up to this KFC, come through the door. Oh man, these people are wait, making me wait. There's two cars in front of me. And you start to complain and your grandfather's still confused. Where are we at? And then you get to the first window and the guy's handling three things and you say, I need some chicken, such and such. Then you pull out a card. What's that card for? Oh, it's faster this way. Well, you don't even have to give five pieces of paper. You just put a card in. A moment later, they give the card back. Three minutes later, you're holding your food. Instant world. Can you imagine your grandfather's grandfather coming to see your children, and they realize, ah, Junior has some holes in his shoes. And so you say, ah, grandfather, here's some money. I'd like you to go down to the shop and get some shoes. He says, I've done this. I know how this works. He walks down. He says, no, it's going to happen. Junior, I know you're young, so I'll tell you. What you're going to have to do is you're going to have to sit down. He's going to have to put the, the leather over your foot. And then he's going to try to mark it. And then, then we'll walk off for a while. We'll come back and see how he's doing the cutting. Maybe it will take a week or two. But he's going to have to measure your foot several times. No, you walk into a shop that is bigger than any palace he's ever seen. You walk right up and you pull a box off the shelf. Junior says, I don't like the color. Puts it back, he takes another box. 10 minutes later, he walks out. We live in an instant world. How can people in an instant world ever get patience? Because you are programmed by the instantaneous nature of all your purchases. If they take five minutes at checkers, you start to complain, don't you? If you don't, maybe it's because you're a black African. We white Africans, we complain way too quickly. And that is a virtue that you have that we need to grow in. If that line is five minutes long, I think to myself, I should have brought a book. What am I doing? Wasting my time in this. Man, why can't I? I should have brought my kid and made him stand in this line so I could go do something else. You know what, I should, probably, I should probably pick the longest line and stand in it tomorrow just to learn patience. We live in an instant world where, because of the wonder of capitalism, which has brought so many blessings, including Bibles that we can all afford. Imagine a Bible that's 20,000 rand to purchase because they had to copy it by hand. We can buy Bibles, every one of us. Capitalism has brought us zippers and buttons. Silk ties and belt buckles, you like those? That's all from capitalism, but at the same time, it's brought some bad things too. It has taught us that if you don't get something that fast, complain to the government. And if the government doesn't give it to you in a week, get all your friends together and burn tires on the road. That's what we've learned in the instant world. The burning of tires is not a part of capitalism. But it is a part of our instant world today. Patience is largely missing from the world because we live in an instant world. But secondly, what's the second reason why patience is gone? By the way, when I give you these warnings, the reason I'm telling you these things is so you will be on guard. I have found that many temptations are easier to avoid if I'm planning for them. If I am preparing, I think... My friend might get angry, then even if he gets angry, I just respond so kindly. But if I'm not prepared for it and I go in, if someone gets angry at me, I end up shouting. How many times have I seen that happen? When someone says, put on a mask, if I'm not thinking in advance, all right, get ready, they're going to tell you, so just put it on sweetly. Don't say, hey, 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 I got my freedoms. Just respond graciously. When you're prepared, it will help. That's why I'm giving you these two. Number number one, it's instant. You're not patient because you're overcome because you're expecting everything to be instant. And media, social media, the internet and TV is a big criminal. It teaches you instant. If the commercials go longer than 30 seconds, you're pushing the button to turn to another channel, aren't you? If, if you get something on WhatsApp and it takes, oh, it's been 30 seconds and it hasn't downloaded, you click off and go to something else. But the second reason that patience is very difficult in our world is that we live in a comfortable world. Our world is instant and our world is comfortable. You say, no, I'm poor. That's right. You might be poor, but you have amazing comforts that again your great-grandfather never enjoyed have you ever felt a fan your grandfather's grandfather doesn't know what it is have you ever written with a pen he didn't know what that is either have you ever buttoned your buttons have you ever played ball have you ever ridden on a bicycle or in a car or in a taxi have you ever used paper currency How did your grandfather's grandfather's grandfather have to buy something but trade a chicken for four bricks or something? You can pull papers out of your pocket. That's comfort. You might be able to pull a card out of your pocket. You carry a clock on your wrist. You carry a computer in your front pocket. This is amazing. Just 50 years ago, Computers took up an entire room, the size of that room back in the back there. That was the size of a a computer that would just do simple calculating and maybe type a letter. Today, you've got a thousand times more than that in your pocket. We live in an instant world and a comfortable world, and so we are put off our guard to be patient every day. But that's why our Lord said in Luke 21, 17, you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. Two verses later. So very patiently, very patiently, you watch your soul, you guard your soul. The Apostle Paul said, see see then that you walk circumspectly, that is watching all around. Circumspect means circular. Watching, watching all around. See see then, guard so that when when you walk, you're on guard. You're a security guard because otherwise you're going to fall. You're going to fall into the sin of impatience. Patience acts as a gate to all the other virtues because patience is enduring hardship happily, consistently, and with the spirit of self-denial. Did you hear that definition? That's different from the first definition I gave. Let me read those two and you tell me the difference in these two. I started this section on definitions by giving a definition and then I ended this section with a a different definition. Let me read them both to you and you tell me the difference. Here's what I started with. Patience is enduring hardship without anger, discouragement, or personal gratification. Here's what I ended it with. Patience is enduring hardship with happiness, consistency, and a spirit of self denial. What's the difference? The first definition had all the dangers, the enemies, and the vices. The second definition had what? The benefits, the glories, the graces. Let's look at these enemies for a moment. These three enemies of patience, anger, discouragement, and personal gratification, or their virtues, their their negative counterparts. The other side of those would be happiness, consistency, and a spirit of self-denial. Let's look at anger first of all. What is a good definition of patience for children? Waiting without anger. If you've got children and you have to define patience, you can just tell them, What is patience? It's waiting without getting angry. So what is this anger? Short definition. Anger is one will set against another will. One will set against another will. Your will against someone else so that your eye, your mind, your voice, or your body is somehow stirred up. When your will is set against someone else's will so that your eye, your voice, your body, your mind is stirred up. As soon as your will stirs you up against someone else, that's the beginning of anger. That's the short definition. What is anger? It's when your will is against someone else so that you get stirred up with your eyes, your mind, your heart, your voice. Here's the long definition. This comes from Webster's Dictionary in 1828. Anger is a violent passion of the mind, excited by a real or a supposed injury. It's usually accompanied by a desire to take revenge or to obtain satisfaction from the person who offended you. What is anger? It's a violent passion of the mind that leads you to revenge. Against that person. How is anger set against patience? Well, it kills patience because they're opposites. Patience is enduring hardship. Anger is fighting against it. Stirring yourself up against it. It is not always wrong to remove the hardships in your life. In fact, a man who does not try to remove hardships is probably a fool. But when you see that there is a hardship that is beyond your ability to remove, put upon you by the Lord, by divine providence, by His calling for you, if you see God has given you a physical handicap, if you see He's given you a mental handicap, if you see He's given you... A, a damaged, injured, or retarded child, if you see he has given you poverty, if you see he has put you in a place with a passport where a government has treated you unjustly, you can't change that government. You might not be able to change that child. You might not be able to change your wife. You might not be able to change the person you work for. If you find yourself in a place where you are not able to change, then you need to guard against anger and endure Hardship as a good soldier. Now, if you find yourself in a place where your boss is angry at you all the time because you keep sleeping too late, fix the problem. Don't sit back and say, well, I'm just going to be patient with this guy because he's always angry at me. Well, it's your fault. And Peter tells us that, doesn't he? Isn't it chapter 2 of First Peter that says, if you endure hardship, Because of sin, what good is that? You deserve it. But if you you endure hardship unjustly when you didn't deserve that hardship, then you have earned the praise of men and of God. So anger is a common response. It's our wills rising up at a hardship that God has put in our lives. If God has allowed a pain or a problem or a difficulty to come in our lives, do not get your will, your, vo- your voice, your eye, your body stirred up against that other person. Look what he's doing to me. Number two, the second enemy of patience is discouragement. If Satan cannot conquer us with anger, he may turn to despair. Discouragement is a lack of trust in God so that I begin to think the good things he allows into my life are really bad things did you hear that discouragement is when I begin to think the good things God has put in my life are really bad things so God's made you with a problem in your body So God's made you with a problem in your husband, in your children, in your bank account. So let's just say there's something that you cannot change. Let's say that somehow there's a difficulty and you've worked and tried and prayed and looked, examined and gotten counsel. And you realize, I just can't change that. I had a dear friend who was a pastor whose son was very slow. And he told the story of how it was very difficult to deal with that son, he found himself constantly getting angry at the son because of his bad grades at school and his slow work. And eventually he said, I had to learn, God gave me that son and my first son was clever. And my second son was a good, honest boy, but he was not as fast. And I was the one who was wrong. Thinking that this son that God gave me, I didn't choose it. Who who, who chose to give the son make the sons in that order. It was God. And he said, I had to decide that's a good thing for me that God has put in my life so that when I get to heaven, I'll know something about patience and love and joy and hope. That is the antidote for discouragement. Discouragement is when we don't trust God to the degree that we look at a Hard thing in our life and we say this hard thing is more than hard it's bad and not just bad on the surface but it's bad right down to the core yes there are bad things like car accidents and losing our job there are bad bad things like the man who stole money from me last year there are bad things that happen in our lives but really down in the core of things Those bad things can turn out to be good. Uh, Mugabe told me that he had to spend 300 rand in order to get border clearance for his wife. And he said after he spent the money to pay it, then they just walked through and never even looked at the clearance. And he thought, ah, I wasted that money. Now you did the best you could. You tried. That was what you were told to do. You tried to follow the law. You tried to do it. Someday you're going to see just submitting. That was a bad thing. But deep down in its core, it's going to work something in me. It's going to tell tell me these papers that say 100 rand and 200 rand, they're really not very valuable. I'd better devote myself to character and godliness because someday all the little papers that say 100 and 200 are going to burn up. And then what's going to be left is if I have patience and love and joy and peace. Third enemy of patience is personal gratification. We live in a very me time in history. We live in a time that says, me first, me second, me third. We love things because of how they make us feel. Years ago, I saw an ad for a Renault. There's a huge billboard on the side of the road. And it said this there is no right way or wrong way, just my way. In Elam, years ago, there was a billboard selling Sprite. It said, obey your thirst. I've seen billboards in the mall that say, imagine how you'll look in this. And then the clothing. All those things are playing off of what? Not the value of the product itself, but you and your feelings. Your desire for status. They didn't tell me about the Sprite if, if it's sweeter than the refresh. The Sprite didn't tell me if, it's, if it has a better flavor. All it says is, obey your thirst. You've got thirst. You've got this urge. Go do something about urges. It doesn't even tell you if it's the best product to handle it with. It has a big picture of Sprite. Then it says, you, urge, go do something. The whole mo- move these days in advertisement is for you to satisfy your urge. Not to ponder whether the product is a good product or not. For me, I would be much more inclined to buy something if it had a list of 10 benefits. Just give me a list with no picture. Put up there, Sprite, no picture, nine things that Sprite will do. And I'll be able to think about it. Personal gratification, we love things because of how they make us feel. Waiting for a pleasure to a postmodern is like making fun of their children. You just don't make fun of people's children. You don't mock some husband's wife in front of him. And that's the way we feel when someone says, just wait, just wait. Years ago, when I was in Elam, two young men were talking with me. We were talking about apartheid and, and the politics of South Africa. And then it moved to the present day. And they said they wanted to get stands in the Elam area. And they said they want stands broken up. And I said, well, go to the tribal authority because I got a stand just going there. And they said, oh, they gave it to you because you're a white man, which is not true. They gave me a hard time. I said, oh, just go there. And they said, no, we want them today. And then the one said, this is what we learned in the struggle for apartheid. Justice delayed is and he stopped and his friend finished. Justice denied. So that now, very interesting, what you learn from looking back at history, this is now 10 years after Apartheid, after after 94, when Mandela was elected, what you have learned is, if I have to wait for anything good, I'm going to say it is injustice. I want something and I want it now. If I don't get it now, you sinned against me. So I want that girl, she says no, that's wrong. I want that beer, that food, that money. I want some car, oh just put it on the credit card. I want a house, vote for the government. Notice that the Rural Development Project, the RDP houses are getting more beautiful about every five years. You look at the houses they used to build, it was out of big cement blocks, with very little plastic, a rough plastic, you can still see the cement blocks. And this cheap paint and zinc roof, now they're building with terracotta tiles. Two colors of paint, profiled plastered windows, wooden doors, not metal. Why? Because the people said, hey, justice delayed is justice denied. I want it now. You will never be a patient person if your idea is personal gratification. Give it to me. It needs to come to me. People who were born from 1975 onward find it very difficult to put off any personal desire. Because we have this mindset. It's like we're programmed. We deserve everything now. It's a danger. You'll never be patient if there's anger, discouragement, or personal gratification. Four examples of patience. If you went through the Bible, who would you say are examples of patience? I just gave you one, Jeremiah. Who else outside of Jeremiah? Before Jesus. Go to the Old Testament. Job. Job is the classic example of patience. Patience. Perhaps the best example in the whole Bible. He's in the New Testament in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. Even James, the brother of Jesus, when he wants to give an example of patience, he could have said, my brother. My older brother was the perfect example, but he doesn't. He says, go all the way back before there was a nation of Israel. Go all the way back, you Jews, before there was an Abraham or the 12 tribes, and you find a man named Job. He might have been a friend, a business partner of Abraham. But that man, Job, suffered. And he is the model of patience. What did he lose? What hardships did he have? He lost his family, his animals, his money, and his reputation. And God holds him up as the example. Who else? Example of patience. Moses. Moses and Joshua. Moses waited 40 years in the backside of the desert and then 40 more years to try to get the children of Israel in. Joshua waited 40 years before he had a job. He's an administrative assistant to Moses. He has to wait 40 years and then he finally gets his calling. What about the believers in the New Testament? For time we won't look there but Hebrews 10 verses 32, 33, and 34, describe Hebrew Christians who were enduring such persecution because they lived in Jewish communities. These are Jews who had become believers and they lived in Jewish communities, which means they were kicked out of their communities whenever they had come to believe in Christ. Or if they weren't kicked out, they were handled badly. So in verse 34, Hebrews 10, verse 34, it says, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods You see, when one of the Hebrew Christians would be put in prison, the other Hebrew Christians would take the walk, let's say from Louis Tricart down to Poliquani or over to Elam. They would walk for a day or two days to go and deliver food to their brothers and sisters who were in prison. And when they came back, they found as an act of spite, their Jewish friends, who had not become believers, had broken into their homes and taken what they liked and left it in a mess. And they came back, and Hebrews 10.34 says, they took it. Joyfully. How would you handle that? How would you handle that if your friends and neighbors when you go to pay for someone else who's in prison unjustly, you come back, they broke into your house and took what they wanted. You just say, well, it's just things. Helps cut all the ties that bind me to this earth. The very next chapter, Hebrews chapter 11 says, they handled it joyfully when they were stoned, cut in two, tempted, slain with the sword. When they were forced to live in caves, in the mountains. Imagine that. How would you take it if you're forced out of your home? You're forced to go live somehow up there in the mountain. You've got a blanket. You come down trying to get peace jobs. The scripture says in Hebrews 11, the world was not worthy of them but they possess their souls in patience. Example number three is our Lord Jesus Christ before the authorities. Who is the hero of patience? It's our Lord Jesus in the unjust trial that you were just telling us about, Amy. That hero who stands at the unjust trial and in Matthew 27, verse 14, it says, and when he was accused of the chief priests, he answered nothing. Can you imagine what kind of patience it would take to have the most powerful words at your disposal? You could give a speech that would make them look like fools. You could throw all their evidence on the ground and trample on it with your speech. Or you could lift up your eyes and say one word to heaven and call down fiery soldiers who just the sight of those angels would cast all your enemies on the ground. You have all that power, and you keep your lips sealed. Who is the better example of patience than our Lord, who endured sin after sin, not for a year, not for two years or ten years, not for two decades, but three and a half decades? 33 times 365 He lived on the earth walking among sin. And he was patient because, as Charles Spurgeon says, it was like a man without a shirt on running through the the thorns. He lived on earth feeling every prick of sin. You don't feel it because you're so calloused. Our hearts are so cold, our consciences are seared. We see indecency and immorality and immodesty all around us. And we say, oh, that's the way people are. But when our Lord saw that, it cut him and pricked him every place because he was the most sensitive to sin. That's why he was called the man of sorrows. Because he had to come, as it were, walking through a sewer. When he was the son of a king. You and I don't know patience like that because we don't have the heart that's as sensitive as his was. We're not tender like he was, but he was patient because he endured all of that. And when he stood before those wicked, filthy men, he didn't answer a word, but like a lamb went to the slaughter. And when Judas came up and kissed him on the cheek, he said, friend, he is patient. He endures foolishness from his own creation and he waits to return and he still prays for you even though he has to pray for you that you would conquer the sin that you fought with for 20 years. How's that for patience? But is there anyone more patient than Christ? Oh, I don't know how to set these two against them, but look at this. There is one who is patient now for 6,000 years years. There is one who warned, my spirit will not always strive with man. Genesis 6 verse 3. And so he waited 120 years and he destroyed over a million people in the flood. But he had waited 2,000 years before he destroyed them. He waited thousands of years before destroying them. And then when they were destroyed, then he goes on and says no more sin. And he still waits after that another 2,000 years and then he sends his son and then they kill his son and then he's waited 2,000 more years the fruit of the spirit is long suffering and what example is better than the father who even to this day has not sent his son to destroy the world and burn it up with fire He is overflowing with patience to you and the sun is overflowing with patience to you. And you today, if you could take this message and use it correctly, here is how you would use it. You would be filled with joy and gratitude for God. You would love him and think much of him. And you would go away and pray, oh God, forgive me for having not a drop, not a tenth, not a tenth of a tenth, not a a speck or a grain of sand of patience the way you have it. Grant that I might endure hardship with happiness, consistency, and a spirit of self-denial. Let's close our eyes.